Hey guys, I'm Suchita. I'm the co-founder of LBB, and welcome to season two of LBB's Open House, a podcast on how to build brands better. On Open House, I talk to makers, managers, and executives behind India's most interesting brands. In our last season, we spoke with marketing heads, investors, and founders of brands like Epigamia, Bira, Mama Earth, Boat, Cred, Bluetooth, Wakefit, Paperboat, Chumbak, and many, many more. Our conversations range from decoding performance marketing and distribution to community building, analyzing your target addressable audience, fundraising, team building, management, and much more. Basically, all the things, tools, and inputs that you need to build your brand better. Today, I'm in conversation with Mona Gandhi, founder of upskilling and recruiting platform called Upraised, and former head of strategic initiatives and growth Asia Pacific at Airbnb. I've known Mona for a long time, and she's a inspiration role model to me. She was the first female engineer at Airbnb and led product and strategic growth for the company in the US and then for EPAC. She's been an advisor to us at LBB, and I've learned a lot from her over the past six years of working closely with her. On this episode, we deep dive into one of my favorite topics, which is marketplaces and what it takes to build marketplace. What do you chase? Demand first or supply? How do you navigate customer and merchant churn? What qualitative benchmarks should one set while chasing quantitative outcomes? We jump into all of these topics and more over the course of the next hour. At the risk of playing favorites, I think this has been one of my most fun conversations on Open House. As usual, I learned a truckload from Mona, and I'm sure you will too. Especially if you enjoy marketplaces and all things related to marketplaces. Tune in. So, uh, so Mona, I think you know the the question that I want to kick off with is obviously given your experience with Airbnb um, and even your previous startups, and now you know with you uh, starting something as interesting as Upraised. Uh, my first question for you is: What, in your opinion, are the first principles of building a marketplace? And what about the business construct of building a marketplace makes it that complicated and makes it that you know tough to do? Yeah. So, um, I think. Uh, you know in order for anyone to kind of think about building a marketplace is super important to understand at a first principles level the key components and the interplay of like supply and demand and how they kind of rub you know uh, how you build one off of each other uh, i think that is not it, it may seem like oh like of course people understand what supply is and people understand what demand is but in the construct of a marketplace it gets very complicated because uh, in most cases it becomes a chicken and egg problem right uh, you don't have supply you can't get demand but you can't have demand because you don't have supply so how do you break out of it uh, so having a deeper understanding of like what are the first principles on firstly who's your supply and who's your demand and then ultimately which one of them have a larger pain point mm-hmm. uh, and hence have a larger and have and could have longer stickiness to your platform and so uh but these also typically is typically the harder part of the the equation to solve for because but then if you do solve for it the the easier part can come later uh there are lots of marketplace products that start with the easier part and they scale up really fast but then the harder part is not so hard, is not so easy to get to and so that's where they fall apart right um so i think uh uh even at a price for example every time i talk to uh you know talk to people explaining what a praise does um you know we're we're sort of a marketplace where uh we're helping people break into product management and land 
you know product management careers but if you if you just said that uh, and if you ask somebody which one would you consider the supply versus which one would you consider demand um, i bet you will have some people say that you know companies are the demand side and uh, candidates are the supply side uh, and you'll have equal number of people say that candidates are actually the the demand side and companies are the supply side so just even knowing which is what and you know uh, which one is harder to crack um, is is i think first principles understanding of sort of building marketplaces um, and i think uh, there are some pros and cons of uh, building marketplaces um, the biggest con and why they're so so hard to build is like i said it's a chicken and egg problem in our situation for example how do we get the best best candidates to come up come to our platform right um we can't do that unless the best companies come to hire from us but why would the best companies come and hire from us if we don't already have the best candidates so how do you break out of that right we've been able to break out of it just because um you know we got lucky with the kind of investors we have they have access to companies companies are willing to try us out we 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 you know kind of did a little bit of innovation on the business side on the business model where it's almost you know kind of stupid for a business to not work with us because we are fully performance based we're not unlike another recruiter who charges you per lead uh, whether that lead converts or doesn't convert we charge you only when you actually hire a candidate so there's not much for the company to lose because we realized that we actually had to get good companies on board to get the good talent pool attracted to us right so a combination of uh, business model innovation understanding of where the core pain point is and how do you kind of address it not just for the short term but also for the long term um there are other marketplaces like airbnb for example um they realize that um you know uh it's harder for any it's harder to convince any individual to open up their homes for a stranger to live but if you went after an audience uh, that was empty nesters uh, they just wanted social interaction they wanted to welcome people from all over the world um also uh, they thought of hosting because they just have a lot of empty space uh, that they you know they typically used for the you know reserve for their kids who no longer live with them uh they also wanted to look for uh, another source of income because for them you know it's not most of them are retired they don't really have a steady source of income and so a combination of all these things we realized that it was actually easier to go after the host segment which is 50 plus although our uh, demand side which is the travelers was all between 24 to 30 right so intuitively nobody would have thought that going after 50 plus is or their design aesthetic or their home styles would appeal to people between 24 and 30 right um but uh, somehow we were able to balance that out and that's how we broke out of this chicken neck problem because we understood the pain point of the host much better than uh, most of the platforms did at the time right so that deep understanding i think is fundamental to building marketplaces is fundamental to breaking out of this chicken neck problem which is like one on one to like at least starting to have a marketplace otherwise it ends up becoming one sided sort of you know service platform so you know with marketplaces like you correctly said um there's always this conundrum especially as a founder right in terms of like where do you invest first so uh, like you said step number 1 is figuring out what what is the part is it your demand or supply that actually needs that investment and needs that product building could you give examples of you know how you've sort of like figured it out uh, in terms of you know uh, uh, what pie to pick up and and what to double down on uh, and also if you could give an example of how you know you've uh, you've doubled down on that pie right whether it's appraised or airbnb or or any other company yeah so um 
look at airbnb uh, you know we we realized very quickly that um there are many people that are looking to travel like travel as a concept is not new right what is new is people opening up their homes for strangers which meant that uh, even if we can't organically get people we can always fall back on performance marketing or we can fall back on other mechanisms like tie in with partnerships or you know influencer marketing or whatever to drive demand but even if we spent all that effort and we got demand they would not actually transact on our platform unless there would be supply which is how we realized that supply was actually the more the, the harder part to solve for and a prerequisite for us to start making money right uh, which is why we started focusing on supply um the second thing that uh, i think uh, we did really well in terms of marketplaces and where to focus was understanding um the behavior of the demand side and hence knowing where to build supply because even in supply because supply is a harder problem to solve you have to focus your effort because you have limited resources right you can't just go and build supply everywhere like what yep. supply is valuable to build um is driven by the demand and understanding uh and being able to experiment and ideate on the demand side is actually equally important what ends up happening is people build a lot of people understand supply and then they just go all into building supply before testing it out for demand right that's where a lot of the challenges exist because the other thing with the supply is once you have oversupply and they don't get the demand they churn out Correct. and so you just keep on build in this you know building supply cycle because by the time you build it and you feel like okay now like i can do something to drive demand it's already churned um so this understanding that uh this clarity that we are going to just put all our product design all resources that are that are priced resources at, at the company on the supply side and on the demand side we're just going to spend money to take people there made the whole process a lot smoother because money was something we could control right it was like a tap on and a tap off like tomorrow morning supplies on actually we need to drive demand to like 100 hosts that we have acquired in san francisco over this past weekend all right turn on the tap let's do it then we would do it for one month and then we would say okay you know what this is started to take off it is every property has gotten one or two reviews now let's mm-hmm. try to plan it organically because at least they should be happy that in the first month they've gotten some money from airbnb right so we kind of over time figured this out but um i would say the most important uh realization and the understanding that i kind of derived from my experience at airbnb was having clarity on how you're going to prioritize your resources and uh at the same time understanding that uh irrespective of whichever is hard or easy you still have to balance it because churning is a real problem in marketplaces absolutely uh, and you should be you should have deep enough pockets and you should be willing to like try non traditional mechanisms like you know advertising on craigslist like you know we tried many demand techniques that probably now people call it as growth hacks but at the time it was just a genuine de- way of driving demand like we never thought like we were going to drive you know 100000 people from craigslist to like post on our website it was just that that's where they lived so we went there uh, mm. and kind of started to work so uh, and even same for appraise like we know that um, you know for us getting high quality candidates is the core because if we get high quality candidates and if we're able to train them companies are going to come there's like there is already dearth in the market like, there's no there's no denying that so what can we do to train these candidates uh, is all that we are dedicating our resources in and on the company side we're not trying to like 
act sneaky or act like act smart or like milk money on that side yet because if we are able to prove value then you know it makes sense for the company to pay us but if we try to over innovate too soon then we're just mm-hmm. dedicating resources and just convincing the company on why they should work with us right it doesn't make sense so all the innovation all the product all eng everything design everything is just focused on making this candidate really skilled um so that they are like super hireable in the market right um so yeah i think it's kind of just important to understand what is the key driving force of why people would select you versus anything else and how can you kind of protect that for the longest period um while kind of balancing the supply and the demand side i guess that's probably the gist of it so you know related to that and i think this like this observation right of your like finding a uh, 50 year olds with homes um again it's it's such a specific way to even aggregate uh, and like you correctly said you know uh, a mistake a lot of marketplaces make is they just take every single possible person and throw it on their you know platform uh, and expect to generate demand right could you talk a little bit about what are the points of inflection that you know someone running a marketplace should monitor uh, to make sure that you know you don't run into the churn problem where you know your like reputation takes a hit or you know because you've got these merchants or you know in your case hosts just churning out uh, all the time so what are the points of inflection and also um, what are the metrics that one should be analyzing while you know uh, building out a marketplace apart from just number of merchants onboarded or you know the gmv uh, 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 that you're creating yeah so um i think uh, i think very few companies actually have uh, qualitative metrics on marketplaces they try to most of it is quantitative which is like how many merchants do we have and how many users do we have coming in what's your dao and mao and how many people search for it and how many people get better recommendations and so on and so forth I think one of the most fundamental things about marketplaces just by the definition they are aggregators it's not like they're creating a value of their own like Airbnb doesn't own homes we don't own companies we don't create jobs right like the point is we're connecting the right people to the right jobs uh, similarly Airbnb is connecting the right traveler to the right host that's it right um and so why do people come to Airbnb versus for example if I am a traveler and Suchita is a host uh, I stayed with Suchita once now why do i need to go through airbnb like i can just directly contact suchita every single every single time i go to delhi right Good. but that doesn't happen why because we built very strong value propositions inside the product which is around trust um, which is around verification which is around uh, things that keep a marketplace strong and keeps the quality of the marketplace really high uh, these are the metrics which again which are saying like qualitative metrics are very rarely looked at um for example the north star metric for us is 100% placement rate so uh we want every single candidate that joins our platform to get a job uh and if we can't get them a job we actually refund the entire amount even though we've spent 16 weeks upskilling them right hmm. uh what that does is it forces us to be highly accountable to firstly not enroll anybody that we don't have confidence we can get them placed secondly for everything we teach them to be focused on actually getting them a job not just giving them like a checklist of topics and saying okay done 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 now you're done now you're upskilled to be a product manager it doesn't mean anything to be upskilled to be a product manager if you can't actually convert and get a product manager job right um and so uh and because uh we have that level of confidence in our learning we have held ourselves to that accountable standard uh we can actually with confidence go to the company and say hey look actually talk to him you'll realize that he's he is 
truly upskilled from where he was, right? And so you can see the difference between somebody who comes upskilled and somebody who doesn't come upskilled, right? And so I think uh, early on and throughout the journey of Airbnb, we've always looked at qualitative metrics. Uh, people very rarely look at it, actually. Most marketplaces um, uh, think of themselves as um, uh, aggregators, curators, and recommenders. So they just want to somehow be able to magically recommend you something that you would not have otherwise discovered, otherwise found on the platform easily. So they want to make it accessible, but accessible with ease and and, and and sort of make it faster. But it's actually the quality that differentiates between great marketplaces and not so great marketplaces, right? Um, and I think that uh, from a metric standpoint, having an understanding of whatever that quality means for you is one. Second is trust. I don't think anybody talks about trust. Anybody, very, very few companies actually measure trust. Um, so at Airbnb, for example, um, there is a concept of super host. Correct. Um, and you can't become a super host if you've not been, if you've not had X number of bookings and you've not had X number of bookings with X number of stars. So you have to have a five star rating consistently for like 30 bookings in a row, right? Which means that you've consistently in a trusted manner being able to deliver the same experience, which means you get the super host. And with that, you get a lot of benefits also, right? You're the first in any feature that gets loaded. Uh, if you have any troubles, you have a customer care, like fast line, your insurance limits are much higher. Like there's a bunch of benefits to it. Uh, but if you didn't measure the quality, you would have never come up with the concept of super host, right? Um, so I think trust, um, measuring trust, measuring uh, the quality of uh, the the quality of the experience on your platform, uh, whether that means, um, you know, uh, whether that means for, in our case, like, can we get every single candidate place, which means that every single candidate is hiring higher worthy, like, can we claim that? Um, or it, you know, like, you know, platform like, uh, you know, Uber, for example, like, can I consistently say that the driver on Uber is going to be better than any other driver, right? Okay. I, can I say that? Um, so qualitative metrics are one which are often underlooked. Uh, uh, trust is the other one. And then the third is um, marketplaces often deteriorate an experience um, when they don't have uh, when they don't have uh, retention. Um, and the worst marketplaces are where uh, you just constantly have to supply. You constantly have to spend money to both acquire supply and acquire demand, right? Uh, which is what is happening in Uber situation because there is zero loyalty between Uber and Ola, and every single time they have to do something, they have to throw a discount at you, right? And then yeah. buy it. Um, so they're essentially rebuying the customer with every single transaction. Uh, and why is that? Because you know there is no differentiator in quality of experience anymore. Um, the waiting times are just as worse in Ola or Uber. Like you know, there's just like a systemic problem, right? Um, versus Airbnb versus let's say I don't know like Booking.com. It's a very it's a very clear difference what you get and what you don't get. Uh, so in that aspect, again, focus is super important. So just a, um, if we, and and if we could you know sort of like backtrack a little bit because you've given such interesting examples across the board, right? Uh, whether it's what Airbnb did, uh, whether it's refugees or you know any of the sort of like natural disasters, you guys uh, are usually the first ones to you know yeah. push out a press release saying, hey, book an Airbnb, you know yeah. we'll host you for free. Um, uh, I, I think I think a, a slightly unrelated question to that, but uh, when you when you have lean teams, right, uh, and specifically with someone like you who's one of the who's 
the first female engineer, one of the first couple of employees at Airbnb. How do you decide, you know, who to allocate where when it comes to demand versus supply, specifically when it comes to things like product building, because the tools that this merchant needs, right? Um, and also your tools for unlockers uh, uh, when it comes to demand and when it comes to supply are, are usually not the same. So, for example, on the supply side, you may want to, you know, um, uh, accelerate uh, uh, the, the time it takes to onboard a merchant uh, or you may want to accelerate referrals in between merchants or whatever. Right. Uh, on the demand side, though, uh, the way that whole mechanism works is, again, fairly different. Uh, so when you're a lean tight team, you know, you don't have the budgets and the wherewithal to experiment, to give out stays for free. Uh, how do you how, how do you prioritize product and and align teams? Because you're like 12 people at our place right now. So how are you guys managing this? Yeah, look, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I actually have an answer for you. Uh, I don't think this is science as much as people like to believe. Uh, it's definitely part science, part art. So there are two, there are three actually key ingredients of every single person that was hired at Airbnb and every single person that I, that that's part of appraised uh, is they have generalist skills, high sense of curiosity and high execution capacity, right? That's it. Like if you have a combination of these three, it doesn't matter whatever project you can kind of take it from start to finish. And honestly, like you're at a scale where start to finish is actually not like a year's project. Start to finish is like, you know, one month project or at max like two months. This whole internship thing that we're talking about, like, well, you know, we have 8,500 people registered to like take a test to finally get internship at like 25 high growth companies. Ideation to actually people taking the test is three and a half weeks. So like I, if you had this podcast a month ago, I would not even have told you anything about the internship because that was not even an idea. Right. So, so as long as you kind of have generalist skills, uh, actually, it is important for people to have journalists early on because you don't know what's going to stick. You have to Correct. have to you're going to have to throw darts in many different directions, stick, say what's, you know, see what sticks. And then ultimately you end up hiring for like specialist skills. Um, I and again, depending on how fast you grow, the number of people, the number of generalists you need goes up. Right. So if you yeah. go really fast then you have to hire lots of generalists because like you're just exploding everywhere. Uh, if you grow slightly slowly, then you can, you have the time to actually hire the specialist. Um, so yeah, I think that, um, in terms of resource allocation, it becomes slightly easier if you have generalists because they're not limited by their own imagination of what they can do. Um, also, like I said, uh, this attitude of execution and like shipping and getting shit done, as long as you're going to have that, um, I feel like. The high that people get about working at startups is mm. the fact that they get to work in like thousand different things, right? Like you get to wear multiple hats and you're not like boxed in a certain role. And um, I have, I'm yet to see anybody complain that, oh my God, I got hired. Like, I thought I was going to do this one thing at appraise and now I'm doing this completely different thing. It actually is like for them, it's like, oh my God, this is the reason I'm here, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think it kind of works because you tend to, attract that kind of people early on at a very small company like ours. Um, but if you can just kind of balance out the generalist skill set, I feel like resource allocation is not such a huge problem. Um, but focuses, knowing where to focus is, I think, one of the hardest things to like get right. And, uh, and I think that 
you know a lot has been written about like lean startup technique and like going agile and doing this or like some people say like do research 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 before you start uh some people like to just talk to like five users and feel like okay this is enough i can go build a product um so i think there's i don't think there is a there is one path or one right answer there's many ways you can go about it and i think uh that's honestly where um i feel like second time founders or serial entrepreneurs have a huge leverage because 100% yeah they kind of can anticipate where you're going to fall short um and without having to spin those wheels uh figuring that out early on actually saves you so much time and effort uh so i think there is some wisdom in why like serial entrepreneurs are able to raise money faster and bigger chunks because you know people are more confident that they won't make the same mistakes um so i think yeah I don't know. I I don't think I answered your question, but I'm like <laughs> I don't think that there is a way to say like this is like step one, two, three, four. If you follow, you uh, you land with the right prioritization method of like figuring out where Mona should work and where Suchitra should work. It's actually honestly like you know it's it's far more like nuanced than that. So I'm not sure I can like. but what i want to double tap on uh, you know because i've learned so much about this from you is just airbnb got two things really right right uh, their culture and i don't know uh, you know without commenting on how uh, true or untrue it is from what you read you yeah. know in like in blogs and like magazines or whatever else yeah. uh, and i think the second thing is their brand right because again uh, yeah. they were one of the few startups coming out of silicon valley that actually gave a shit about everything from their aesthetic to their interface yeah. to you know just the assets that they create right uh, it reminds me a lot of apple actually to a large extent where there's just so much detail that goes into everything that came out of you know of airbnb uh, and of course um, tying in with brand is company culture right uh, uh, and uh, and again you you never really heard about culture from about any other startup uh, and even from me sitting in india right none of my friends in silicon valley have ever spoken about culture the way the ones who have worked at airbnb so could we double tap on that because again i think that's something that you know i necessarily didn't take too seriously um you know when i started out because you don't know the constructs of this yeah. i never had any of this shit in my last job right um uh, and i remember i learned a lot about you know what it is to build solid culture from you uh, when you had sort of said you know put down your core values and yeah. you know and figure out what your like mission statement is and all of that so could you talk could you talk about that not just in the context of airbnb but just generally you know what it means for an organization to think culture and brand first yeah i think it's a very top down approach uh i think uh whoever your leadership is or your founders uh, i think they have to care first uh because unless they imbibe that culture like it is not actually culture right it's just words um and i think that's the difference between companies where culture is very evident versus where it's not because if it's just posters on the wall it doesn't really much mean much versus you know you see it in action so one of my first um i mean this is my fifth startup uh, i worked at four other startups and i think that from a culture standpoint um airbnb is like a 100x better and different than the other three startups i worked at before none of them cared about culture none of them cared about they cared about culture but they never cared about culture in the sense of culture was just uh can we hire people um that are you know that are fits to be at startup hmm but they want 
a certain type of people they were just people who could work at startups and that's it and that's the culture we want to build we want to build a culture of people walking in and getting shit done moving fast like execution ship 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 and like you know that kind of culture right it was never about behavior it was never about uh, giving a framework on how to evaluate opportunities or knowing what is right to do or wrong to do in the context of the culture of what we stand for right that was never talked about uh, and that was Airbnb was the first place where we where we actually talked about it like uh, you know brian often says like we're in the business of we're an online platform controlling an offline experience uh, anything and everything that can go wrong in the world can go wrong on our platform so we need to have a barometer by which any person on a phone can decide whether this is right or wrong without them having to ask me how would you how would you answer this right and yeah. that was his first introduction of wanting to have a culture and they actually hired uh, a bunch of folks uh, and spent 6 months uh, trying to write core values like what are who are they right and uh, unlike a lot of other companies who after Airbnb launched core values. A lot of other companies also started writing their own core values, but they were all derivatives of some version of either Airbnb or Facebook or Netflix. There were a few companies that had core values before us, right? Netflix had their own core values before us. Uh, Facebook had some, uh, and they were all kind of derivative of like, you know, mumbo jumbo, like mixed jam. Um, but it was never like, if you walked into Airbnb and somebody asked you, what did you feel special at Airbnb? The words you would use were the core values. Got like, it. If you ever walked into an Airbnb office and you left, you'd be like, wow, they're such good hosts. And one of the core values was be a host. Then you'll see like, you know, you'll you'll interact with anybody at Airbnb in a business capacity. You'll say like, I don't know why they're like, why they why they're trying to always be stingy and why they're trying to get more from every like dime. Why would they do that? Like they're a billion dollar company now, like they're a you know unicorn. But one of the core values was be a serial entrepreneur because we're not going to spend more than we require to because we have this bunch of other stuff to do, right? So you could see it in every single thing, like simplify. If you ask, if you talk to anybody at Airbnb and you try to solve them, give them a very complex like structure of partnering, they'll be like, they'll run away because it will just never fly inside the organization. If you can't explain to me something in 10 words, in 10, you know, 10 words, like it's too complicated. There is no idea that we can work and work on in a travel industry that can be more complicated than 10 words because every human who's a traveler and every human who's a host has to understand it, right? Correct. They're not solving cryptocurrency. Hmm. So we have to simplify. Everything was simplification. So, and then the most amazing thing was, so we started with some core values. And two years later, we went through hyper growth and we realized that out of the six core values, we only actually imbibe three. We don't imbibe the other three anymore. So they actually went through another effort of another three months to revise the remaining three core values that we did not improve. And we had a new set of core values. So it was something that was very deeply thought about. It was something that uh, founders cared a lot about. And you could, because they cared, people felt it was important to care about it. Uh, and if they don't care, then it's like, why are they telling me to do this? Like, like what's the big deal? Hmm. Right? So it has to kind of come top down. And how you, what, what's your culture at appraise? So how have you taken that whole Airbnb experience and, you know, manifested yeah. in your own startup? We don't really have any uh, uh, core values outside of uh, being authentic um, and uh, being intellectually honest. These are the two things we care a lot about. 
Um, being authentic meaning uh, we want to make sure that we don't, we're not here to like tick off some check boxes and give them a certificate. We're here to get them a job. And if we are not going to put in an authentic effort to get them a job, like um, I think we're doing everybody a disservice. So it's better to just say like, hey, look, I don't think we can help you right up front because we just don't think you're cut out to be a PM yet. Um, then like just, you know, dilly dallying them around and like 10, 10 weeks later saying, hey, pro rata, we'll charge you for 10 weeks and now take the refund, remaining refund because you haven't kept up and leave, right? Um, also, like everything you do, you have to like do it almost selflessly, right? Because, you know, jobs, careers, they're all like very um, competitive roles, right? Like I'm a founder, that's fine. But there are people on my team who will be like getting PM jobs for other people in better companies. Better is all relative, but let's say like a Facebook or a Netflix. Would you want to help that instead of just getting that job for yourself? Maybe, maybe not, right? But if you're not authentic about it, then there's there's many dynamics at play, right? And I think um, being authentic, I think is super important. Um, and the other is intellectually honest. Uh, we're super blessed to have a network of people that can help us solve the hardest problems, but we can only really solve the hardest problems if we are intellectually honest that we don't know how to solve this, right? If we just try to pretend like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. We are the smartest cookies in this batch. Like, you know, we'll figure it out and a lot of the times what ends up happening is people just kind of sit on problems for days and months uh and then they're like yeah yeah because they've sat on it for days and months now they have to give some stupid excuse on why this doesn't work right or this is a stupid problem to solve so i think being that intellectually you know we definitely trust for intellectual honesty uh we definitely trust for authenticity and we definitely trust for um curiosity these are the three things we definitely trust for uh, beyond that, uh, I don't think, uh, I think it deserves more time to figure out what your core values are. Um, but, and they also have to kind of come naturally. It's not like I want to be this. So now I'll figure out how to be this. It's like, who am I? And then what is my value? Right. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, that's, uh, I wouldn't say we have like deep or like many core values yet at a place. I want to switch gears now because yeah. I've like known you since you were in San Francisco, uh, right. uh, leading growth uh, and doing like <laughs> awesome things. And then, you know, I obviously saw you sort of like move to India uh, and lead, uh, you know, growth for APAC over here and, and then quit your job and, you know, have a kid. And now you like have another semi kid in the form of uh, appraised uh, or adopted child or whatever you want to call it uh, I'm not good with children analogies uh, yeah, I can <laughs> but you know your personal journey has been so interesting because you've gone from being like a maker to a manager to an executive to a founder meets executive and like you know that too with a small team so you're technically back to being a maker What's yeah. it been like for you and how have you, you know, uh, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but like, what are the dots that you're joining now? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I've been super, super lucky that, uh, you know, in, in, in weird ways, I sort of landed at, uh, at places at the right time. Uh, you know, my master's landed me. I mean, I went to college. I went to a non-Ivy League school in India. I went to, I went to Indiana University in the middle of no 
fucking where in <laughs> in like literally i could see confines on both sides the closest airport even to get to domestic city was like 45 minutes away there was nothing right um and for someone like me in that geography to land their first job in silicon valley is like ridiculous and i only got lucky because i was held bent on doing uh, my research assistantship with a professor who was very active in uh, silicon valley and so that landed my first job and then from there i land and from there on i basically realized that uh, what works for me is just following smart people and if i follow smart people they go take me to better places uh so that's been my mantra all along that's basically how i've made choices um and uh, yeah so one thing led to the other uh and then uh, i found myself at like third startup and i realized that what i also like to do is i like to run fast um so things that slow me down really drive me mad um and uh, so those are some two choices i got clarity on i was like okay i like to be in small teams i like to do more and i like to run fast so whichever environment gives me this this opportunity i'll just kind of take on right which is why when appcher got acquired by google um and they said you know for 6 months like you have access to all teams figure out where you want to be i was just like that's a mad idea like who sits for 6 months like that's just stupid <laughs> at the same time i i met somebody at Airbnb, i met the founder at Airbnb and i was just like oh my god this is a crazy i was already a user and i was like oh this guy seems really smart and like i would love to work with him like his his just raw brain power was just like so admirable i was just like there's no way i would waste my time i would definitely learn something from him and i joined Airbnb and in the first week that i joined i had the worst trust and safety case it was like the stupidest decision in hindsight i was just like what was i thinking um but yeah like it kind of turned out fine because i just kind of followed this one mantra which is like if i follow smart people i'll be fine uh and i kept to it and um yeah whenever i got a unique opportunity where i was like oh shit i have an opportunity to meet more smart people i kind of took on which is how i got to growth which is how i like got to like doing asia pacific which is how i like uh started advising a bunch of different startups like that's how i met you i was like okay she's smart she's going somewhere i'll go with her <laughs> uh, i don't care uh whatever ends up happening that's fine but you know um i i i i think i'll learn something along the way right uh that's sort of generally been my instinct um and uh yeah from like you know um the most interesting sort of points in my journey um actually uh have been times when uh i've moved from like maker to non maker to maker to non maker those have been my steepest learning curves um and this is almost like the third time i'm doing it now because uh i started as an engineer in the first three startups uh in the third startup at apture uh i did analytics so then i started move into revenue and monetization so i slightly moved from maker to non maker then i went to airbnb and i did like a quasi like a growth role which involved a lot of marketing so i was like a semi maker not maker then i did actually did growth engineering which made me a maker then i did product which made me a non maker then i made went to like completely different side with the business and like worked with legal and pr and all these you know functions which was like a completely different experience for me and um now that i'm back to like appraised um it's just like i feel like my steepest learning curves have been these transitions uh they are also the hardest to make uh but they are the most fulfilling because the kind of the the pace at which you learn and the amount you learn in that in that in that duration is like so 
so high signal um you just have to kind of push yourself and i think uh in those ways i feel like the kind of people i surround myself with have always pushed me um so whether it's mitain or you know my family or uh my friends uh you know people i work with like i think part of it is my drive but part of it is also the confidence i get from people around me like i've never really had a fear that like if this fails what happens to me uh and actually having that luxury actually having that cushion is like a mega luxury that a lot of people don't appreciate but i am super super appreciative and grateful for like i've never once thought that oh shit i've left so much money on the table when i quit google to go to airbnb like most people in their sane minds would not do it but because i didn't i felt like I always had this cushion there was nothing much for me to lose so like might as well try it so because google is google like and always come back to it like but airbnb is not going to be the same airbnb if i joined 2 years later or 3 years later right uh so yeah i don't know i just i feel like uh in my heart i've always been a maker in my heart i always want to be a maker uh is just sort of you know i've kind of gone different paths to like ultimately get to being a maker <laughs> yeah. but when you think about like when you think about you know yourself in the shoes of a founder right where again yeah. there's so many folks who look up to you uh, right including your team uh, and because i've had a chance to interact with one of them i, I mean like there's this like respect that you command right uh, how how is how for you have you been able to you know sort of like draw a line in between um you know uh, uh, everything that a founder or an executive has to do which is fundraise you know keep your investors updated um uh, really think of you know what your north star is and and also not get too compelled into being drawn into the weeds uh, especially again you know when you're a small team because there's always that there's that all there's always that natural instinct of you know doing it yourself right yeah. uh so how how what are the other other things that you do to just you know constantly keep yourself in check and make sure that you know you're pulling yourself out um uh, as and when needed yeah i mean i don't i don't know if i do anything special but i i i will say that uh one of the things that uh i'm much older so i'm slightly more wiser but <laughs> i probably what has changed uh, a few things that i i have you know sort of taught myself over and over again is that um every problem is not a personal problem it's a problem that you have to solve to like get somewhere like it's not a problem because it's mona solving it's a problem that apraise has to solve right like detaching yourself uh, is i think very important because otherwise ego start to come at play uh, and because egos are less at play i'm fairly more open and actually um discussing whatever the challenges are more openly with the team so i don't constantly feel like i'm the only one trying to solve hard problems and they are just like executing they're actually part of the ideation process they're part of understanding what the problem is and how to solve it like i think i pretty much discuss like anything and everything like you know like i hate this lawyer to like this investor is like you know being a pain to like this investor is so amazing uh to like actually sharing investor decks with the team um any updates any interesting conversations uh and uh, the other thing is uh you know I don't know if this is uh just luck or what or like selection wise but I have a lot of type A friends um and uh 
you now feel like you're an overachiever you know so it always kind of feels like yes you're supposed to do it right like this is just this is how like if you're ambitious this is how you get to it and there's enough role models around that have done it again and again so you feel confident that you'll be able to do it too like i think uh, a lot of people say like you know how can you have a child and how can you have a startup at the same time and like how did you do this or how do you do that um i don't know i actually have a lot of friends who do this so it's not so abnormal for me um also um because i have so many friends who do it uh, i also have a support system to kind of ask for help right uh, i can go back and like you know for example some days i'm just like in the middle i was really struggling with this whole covid situation because i had focused 9 hours of work that i could do on a daily basis from this office space of my right like now i'm at home and like every 10 minutes there's a mama siren that goes off right and it's just like i can't get any long thought process that i have to get going to get make some decisions and i'm just kind of winging it right now uh the one thing i did was i was honest about it that i was winging it um and when i asked people like how do you do it right uh i found some ways to do it and i found some ways to find peace and yeah you know discussing that with either methane or like my friends or whoever because they are all kind of type a personalities like you know it doesn't feel like i am a special one doing it i feel like there are many doing it and it's possible because they have done it and they've got like they are much further along in that journey than i am so i can definitely see i definitely feel like i have more understanding of the path to getting there which gives me more peace to do it uh i don't feel nervous per se like or like oh my god how am i going to create like a company in singapore and like how is this thing going to work and how is the hiring going to happen and this and that like it's just like i can just talk to three four people and they can guide me doing it so i think the support system is probably the most important um having enough role models and people around that can like inspire you to like kind of keep pushing yourself um and then uh, you know i feel like uh, my child is happier when i'm working so it <laughs> works for everybody i think she would lose her mind if i was obsessing about her because i am definitely a type a personality like i am a perfectionist i want to get like everything right uh and if i didn't have work to focus on i would focus too much on her and she would lose her pebbles as so she's probably happy that she's like okay all right mama's busy <laughs> i get to eat ice cream <laughs> uh, so yeah it's kind of working out i don't know i don't really have a science to this dude i'm just kind of you know i off, it is true i'm kind of winging it um but i'm honest when i don't know what i'm doing and i can ask for help and just go along i'm so glad you're not a chris jenner or mona uh <laughs> <laughs> I can't be I can't be actually uh, I had 6 month maternity leave I went back at 3 months people in my office were like what's wrong with you why don't you just stay at home for 6 months I was like I don't know I'm obsessing too much about typos I can't I need I need some intellectual vent like I need to think about something other than like you know basic stuff like it's just I don't know I don't know how to chill that's my problem It's a it's a good problem to have. Uh, I'm not going to take more of your time. Last three questions for you today. Uh, the first one: a book, podcast, anything you've read that's impacted you when you think all our listeners should should read, watch, whatever. Uh, I read this book, uh, powerful by Patty McNaught, uh, the the lady at uh, the head of HR at Netflix. Patty McCord. Yeah. Pat McCord. Sorry. Part of Patty, I think it was Patty. One of these, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, super amazing book. Um, I uh, podcast. I don't. I listen to some podcasts, but not that many. Uh, I mean, at least not. I used to when I used to try when I used to commute. But now that I'm stuck at home, like like I said, ten minutes later, it's like a mama siren, so I can't really be, listen to any podcast. Um, 
any conversation that has been mind blowing um there have been thousands um and i think that um actually if there's one piece of advice is uh, be a sucker for these amazing conversations like find an opportunity to like you know connect with people uh, and be authentic about it like don't just ask questions because now you have a meeting but first have the questions and then reach out to people and like actually make that time worthwhile i feel like uh, especially in covid it just suddenly feels like everyone is accessible yeah Yeah. you know absolutely second question uh one or as many as you'd like emerging brand that's in your little black book so any awesome indian brand that you think everyone should check out <laughs> such a bad this is going to be like uh brands actually a lot of snack brands um uh what are this quinoa chips like uh green snacko yeah green snacko uh then there was uh 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 the whole truth i will like munching on some protein bars from there um uh we recently ordered something else i forget or the bunch of coffee brands subco and like uh a few more um yeah i don't know i've been too too busy appraising thank you for uh no thank you so much this is like i i yeah i would i would spend almost every monday doing this but thank you so much <laughs> uh You've no no you've honestly been so fantastic and you've like seen us you know I think when I met you I was like I mean not to play the age card here but I was like 24 25 still fucking clueless didn't know what I wanted to do uh so was so was I I still am <laughs> I told you I'm kind of winging I just I I'm literally winging I just wake up I take one day at a time and I kind of figure out what I need to do for today and that's it Does it work? Because I feel like that's how I am, and I am just like I think I need to rejig my approach to life just to try it out. You know what I mean? Like, what if I like had like a checklist that said like become a billionaire? It doesn't work for me. You know why it doesn't work for me? Because I'm a Type A personality. I obsess so much about what is not done, and if I the longer the checklist I have, the more I just keep obsessing about it, and I just spend time doing that rather than actually just focusing on what needs to get done. Uh, and the other thing is. because of this type a personality i'm constantly unhappy if i don't get everything done so the more i have on my list the more unhappy i am that oh shit like this doesn't get done the day i wake up saying okay i know that this is covid and i know that i have to take care of my child and i know that i only have 10 working hours and i need to like get everything in in the 10 working hours i'm much happier than thinking my day is 24 hours because honestly it is not 24 hours and if i pack myself as if it's 24 hours i'm just always unhappy ki maine kuch kiya nahi pure din mein so like i think it's fine to take it one day at a time uh, i will i will take your advice on that but thank yes. you so much for doing yes. this thanks sita all the best thank you thank you see we need it we need it <laughs>